Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of abuse that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. 44-year-old Erica Gessler slowly opened her eyes. Her head ached, as if it had been split open with a hammer. She lay in a hospital bed, but she couldn't remember how she had gotten there. She knew her name and the year, 1973, but everything else was fuzzy. The last thing she remembered was being thrown from her horse, and then everything went black. Just as her eyes began to adjust to the darkness, brilliant light suddenly flooded the room. It filled every corner. It even seemed to flow into Erica's body. She tried to sit up, but she found she couldn't move. She looked toward the edge of the bed and saw figures standing there, heavenly beings emanating that wonderful, dazzling light. She realized that these were angels. At that exact moment, a sudden revelation struck her. She knew beyond all doubt that she was destined for great things. She felt called to share God's wisdom with the world. She couldn't wait to begin. Hi, I'm Greg Polson. And I'm Vanessa Richardson. And this is Cults, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we look at a cult's practices, their leader, and their followers. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we'll meet Erica Berchinger Eika, born Erica Gessler and later known as Uriella. She was an enigmatic figure. Hardly anyone outside of Europe knew her name, and in her home country of Switzerland, she was a media punchline. But to Uriella's followers, in the community known as Fiat Lux, she was nothing less than the mouthpiece of God. We'll have all this and more coming up. Stay with us. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. We're often told that looks can be deceiving, and this is true for nearly everyone. A shy student in class may have the most bubbly personality at home, or the angry person we see in the supermarket may have a heart of gold. But nowhere was this saying more true than with the spiritual healer, Uriella. As the leader of a large cult, she became an overnight sensation in parts of Europe. However, her life didn't start out as bold. Before becoming Uriella, she was just plain Erica Gessler. Specifics about Erica's early life before her spiritual awakening are sparse, but we do know that she was born on February 20th, 1929, to parents Hans and Hedvig Gessler. They lived in a modest apartment in Zurich, Switzerland. There, her father worked as a gardener. Her mother's employment, if she had any, is unknown. They were fairly religious, and Erica was raised strictly Catholic. According to one former classmate, Erica grew up in a normal, loving family that was neither rich nor poor. Although she came from an ordinary, traditional background, Erica seemed to have bigger plans for her life. 
As she entered young adulthood, she decided to leave Switzerland in pursuit of new opportunities and experiences abroad. She first moved to London to earn a teaching degree in English. Then she went on to work at a private language school in Cliftonville, England. Erica stayed in this position for five years before leaving for Paris, where she earned a second teaching degree, but this time in French. Afterwards, she returned to Zurich and took courses interpreting. For the next two decades, Erica's translator skills allowed her to travel the world, moving from one glamorous job to the next. She worked at a film distribution company in Zurich, a movie production company in New York, and she even spent some time as a UN interpreter in Geneva. As Erica crossed paths with hundreds of celebrities, musicians, and luminaries, she was exposed to a wide variety of new ideas and philosophies. Though she was raised Catholic, the austere faith didn't seem to fit Erica's unconventional life. And in the 1950s and 60s, she developed an interest in spiritualism. She seemed drawn to new age, non-traditional theologies. By 1967, the 38-year-old was back in Zurich, Switzerland. There, she joined a spiritual Christian community called the Geistica Lodge Zurich, led by a woman named Beatrice Brunner. Brunner called herself a deep trance medium and claimed she could communicate with the dead through meditation. She also taught her followers that they could find meaning and purpose by channeling the spirit world. In 1970, while attending lectures and meetings at the Geistica Lodge, Erica met a wealthy entrepreneur named Max Berchinger. Max was more than 25 years her senior and already married to someone else. Nevertheless, something sparked between them. Max shared Erica's fascination with spiritualism, but he wasn't just soul-searching, he was more concerned with the fate of humanity. Prior to joining the Geistica Lodge, Max had subscribed to another spiritual movement known as Camp Silver Bell that focused on the impending apocalypse. He reportedly kept a property in the mountains on their behalf, high above sea level, in preparation for a great flood that would eventually sweep across the earth and wipe out most of mankind. It's not clear whether Erica shared Max's dire projections for humanity, but perhaps his focus on the end times made her reevaluate her priorities. Around this time, she abandoned her previous life of work and travel. Her growing spiritualism took precedence over everything else. In 1971, likely with Max's support, 42-year-old Erica became a spiritual healer and life coach. In February 1972, she began claiming that Jesus Christ was trying to communicate with her, but her greatest spiritual awakening still lay ahead. A year later, in 1973, Erica fell off a horse and suffered a severe head injury. Later, when she regained consciousness in the hospital, she saw angels standing around her sickbed. As she basked in the presence of the divine, a revelation struck her. She was no ordinary woman, Erica now understood that she was both the reincarnation of the Virgin Mary and the mouthpiece for Jesus Christ himself. Vanessa is going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. Please note, Vanessa is not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but she has done a lot of research for this show. Thanks, Greg. According to medical experts, patients who have suffered from a traumatic brain injury are more likely to experience symptoms of psychosis. Doctor and psychiatrist Thomas W. McAllister has said that this can present as a chronic schizophrenia-like syndrome. These patients may experience symptoms such as hallucinations and delusions. In a 1998 paper published in Seminars in Clinical Neuropsychiatry, 
Dr. McAllister writes that these symptoms are likely caused by damage to key brain regions, including the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, temporal lobe structures, basal ganglia, thalamus, and cingulate gyrus. While we don't know what specific portion of Erica's brain was injured, she claimed the injury damaged her cerebellum. But as far as Erica was concerned, she wasn't hallucinating. This was all part of God's grander plans for her. Armed with this certainty, Erica adopted a new name. She called herself Uriella, named after the archangel Uriel. From then on, Uriella described the riding accident as part of her destiny. Her brain had been altered so that she became receptive to clairvoyant visions, psychic healing, and the ability to be in two locations at once. Now, it was time to hone her new gifts so that she could reach the full extent of her abilities. So, for the next few years, Uriella furthered her devotion to meditation. By 1975, 46-year-old Uriella was involved with a new spiritual community, the Light Center Batanian. The group was founded in 1967 by self-proclaimed medium Frida Maria Lemle and Gerhard Johannes Lehofer. They were dedicated to exploring past lives and communicating with the dead. While studying at the Light Center, Uriella made a major breakthrough in her quest to channel her power. On Christmas night of 1975, for the first time, she experienced a revelation while in a full trance state. After that, messages from God came to her regularly. Now that she had opened the channels of communication between her and the Lord, Uriella felt ready to begin her new life and become a spiritual leader in her own right. Luckily, she could continue to count on Max Berchinger's support. His wife died around this same time, and Uriella jumped at the chance to move into Max's retirement villa in Eck, near Zurich. 49-year-old Uriella and 76-year-old Max married three years later, in 1978. However, their union was anything but traditional. Uriella said that theirs was a spiritual relationship rather than a physical one. In fact, she made abstinence one of the tenets of her growing, newfound philosophy. The couple's peculiarities didn't escape their neighbor's attention. Uriella became a notable figure in their area. By then, she had adopted an eccentric style of dress. She only wore white to show her commitment to purity. She also donned sparkling jewelry and heavy makeup. But what made her instantly recognizable was the voluminous wig she wore. She said it was to cover the scars from her horseback riding injury. When neighbors encountered Uriella, the first thing they saw was the mountain of black curls atop her head. Locals also noticed that the couple seemed to attract a variety of visitors to their home. Uriella had started drawing in a few dozen devotees who were eager to hear her messages from Christ. In exchange for their fidelity, she promised them salvation. On January 12, 1980, Uriella officially founded the Order of Fiat Lux, Latin for Let There Be Light. The group included herself, Max, and about 47 followers. They remained small and private at first. But Uriella felt she was brimming with power and visions of the future. She couldn't keep all that insight to herself. It wouldn't be long before her band of a few dozen supporters turned into nearly a thousand devoted disciples, all of them hanging on to her every word. Up next, Uriella turns tragedy into an opportunity. The internet, what would we do without it? 
So much information, so little time. And yet, with all the answers available online, there still lie scores of deep, dark, spooky secrets. Mysteries yet to be solved until now. This isn't clickbait. This is our exclusive new podcast, Internet Urban Legends. I'm Loey, your evidence expert. And I'm Eleanor, the self-proclaimed skeptic. Together, we're the gruesome twosome, sleuths in search of the weirdest stories on the web. Every Tuesday, we investigate the internet's creepiest conundrums, covering each conspiracy theory and combing through every clue to separate hoax from haunt. Whether it's the video sure to make you lose your appetite, blank room soup, or every kid's worst nightmare, the terrifying truth behind Disney's deaths, or every parent's worst nightmare, social media's Momo challenge. Each episode of Internet Urban Legends is chock full of disturbing details which are either truly demented or ripe for debunking. And no matter our conclusion, we're sure to be left scared half to death. So won't you join us? Follow our new Spotify original from Parcast, Internet Urban Legends. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify. Now back to the story. In January of 1980, spiritual healer Erica Berchinger, also known as Uriella, founded the Fiat Lux Order with her wealthy husband, Max Berchinger. To her followers, Uriella offered a direct line of communication to Jesus Christ. Her trances for the group were often an exciting spectacle of showmanship. She rocked back and forth, threw her hands in the air, and shouted her pronouncements from God. Sometimes these messages carried dark warnings about an apocalypse to come at the turn of the millennium, but she always had words of reassurance for her followers. She vowed that God would protect them. But it wasn't just Oriella's performances that made people loyal to her. She also advertised herself as a spiritual healer. Many of Oriella's followers were looking for relief from various illnesses. To heal them, Uriella created a miraculous cure she called Othrum water. Uriella prepared this water by performing a ritual, which required her to kneel before a filled bathtub, holding a silver spoon in her left hand. She stirred the water for 21 minutes, an act which she claimed charged the liquid with heavenly rays. She then distributed this water to her followers to drink or apply topically. She told them it could heal nearly anything, including serious illnesses like cancer and AIDS. The group frequently gave out brochures listing off-room water, tablets, and other cures for sale. These remedies were incredibly financially successful for Oriella. There was no shortage of desperate sick people in search of a miracle cure, and many were easily convinced that Oriella's remedies helped them. Researchers have found that faith healing really does work, at least some of the time, with less serious afflictions or symptoms. Scientists attribute this phenomenon to the placebo effect. Swedish researcher Patrick Lindenfors touched on this in a 2019 article entitled Divine Placebo, Health and the Evolution of Religion. Dr. Lindenfors has found that the placebo effect can activate the body's own coping strategies and healing responses. The placebo effect can be a powerful force, but it certainly seems to have limits for serious ailments. By the early 1980s, Max Berchinger's health had started to falter. None of Ariella's miracle cures could restore the strength of her elderly husband. Max died in 1982, but his death didn't slow Ariella down. If anything, she gained momentum. Around this time, she met a Catholic priest named Kurt Warder. 
Kurt had served a congregation in Hausen, Germany for 22 years. But when he discovered Uriella's community in Switzerland, he became captivated. So much so that he had trouble prioritizing his own flock. In 1983, his local archbishop's office accused him of embezzling funds from the church, possibly channeling it into a Swiss bank account for Uriella's benefit. Kurt denied the charges, but the archbishop still removed him from the priesthood, and Kurt then officially joined Fiat Lux. He soon became one of Uriella's staunchest supporters, and in return, she fell in love with him. In December of 1983, Kurt and Uriella married. However, they both kept their chastity commitments. After their union, Kurt adopted the name Uriello. Although his wife was the unquestioned leader of the Fiat Lux movement, Uriello gave it the discipline it needed for success. He formalized her revelations into a more cohesive narrative. According to Swiss journalist Rico Bandel, a significant portion of Fiat Lux's theological construct of Fiat Lux originated from Uriello which included a mixture of esotericism, pseudoscience, and ufology. Uriello also systematized Uriello's revelations to make them profitable. Soon after the wedding, Kurt began scheduling speaking engagements to spread Uriello's word. He made sure to introduce himself as a former priest, perhaps in an effort to project an extra air of religious authority. In these speeches, he praised his wife as the only trustworthy source of God's wisdom. To him, even the Bible was suspect. In turn, Kurt's influence pushed Uriella to broaden her reach even further. So in March of 1984, Uriella told her followers that God was calling on the sect to do missionary work. The group began hosting more community events, which they advertised at the Zurich Convention Center. Although Uriella had previously only entered a trance state in front of her close followers, she began allowing any curious members of the public to come witness the spectacle. Though many likely scoffed at the demonstration, she always managed to enrapture a few spectators. Besides the public trances, the group continued their spiritual healing outreach. They held monthly welcome ceremonies targeting those who struggle with substance abuse and other marginalized groups. Fiat Lux members sold remedies that they claimed would cure alcohol, nicotine, or heroin dependence, in addition to their healing waters and other merchandise. In fact, Uriella's group was flush with cash. In addition to the healing cures, she likely had inherited a significant portion of the group's funds from her late husband, Max. She also raked in plenty from followers' donations. With these funds, Uriella expanded the cult into Austria and Germany. In Germany, they purchased property in the village of Strittmont. Located in Black Forest, close to the Swiss border, and about 50 miles northwest of Zurich, Strittmont was viewed by Fiat Lux as a holy place. Uriella said that it held a special power that would allow its inhabitants to survive any catastrophe. They had to move there for protection. Though skeptical outsiders speculated that Uriella had to leave Switzerland because she was being investigated for selling bogus medical cures. According to one German newspaper, her home in ex-Switzerland was searched several times by police. Whatever motivated Uriella to relocate, she soon opened a new sanctuary in Germany. But the exciting time of change also brought more heartbreak. On April 4, 1988, Kurt Varter and three other members of the order got into a horrible car accident in Austria. While details of the crash are sparse, we do know the outcome. Kurt was killed. 
Uriella later told followers that she had predicted Kurt's death, but didn't tell them why she was unable to stop it. The tragedy didn't shake the faith of Uriella's followers. If anything, it strengthened their loyalty to her and her position as a representative of Christ. And like Christ, she claimed she was fated to endure suffering. She told her followers that it was her duty to carry all the suffering of the earth and humanity within her. Her grief over her husband's death reinforced this image of martyrdom. The absolute devotion of Uriella's followers inspired prospective converts and helped to bring more into the fold. And soon, Fiat Lux's membership swelled. Like Uriella, Fiat Lux members only wore white or light-colored clothing. They abstained from meat, alcohol, nicotine, and caffeine. Uriella also encouraged them to eat only raw foods for sustenance, and she required them to fast regularly. Uriella's followers practiced sexual abstinence, except for the purpose of procreation. Uriella forbade them from reading newspapers, watching TV, or listening to the radio, a common isolation tactic of many cult-like groups. Uriella also prohibited members of Fiat Lux from taking pharmaceutical drugs or seeking conventional medical treatments. Only her miracle cures were deemed acceptable. Despite these severe directives, Uriella's followers committed themselves to obeying the rules. They viewed these sacrifices as the cost of salvation, even when some members paid with their lives. In 1988, one of Uriella's devotees, a 24-year-old pregnant woman, suffered from a middle ear infection that progressed to meningitis. Uriella treated her over the phone, sending her healing light, and told her to take herbs for the infection. The follower accepted Uriella's advice and refused to seek out any other medical treatment. It was only after she fell into a coma that her husband finally brought her to the hospital. Doctors were able to perform an emergency C-section to save the baby, but the mother died. Unfortunately, this wasn't an isolated incident. Later in 1988, a 48-year-old follower developed sepsis from an infection. Uriella sent 10 acolytes to the woman's bedside to perform a healing ritual by candlelight. They knelt in her room, holding out their hands so that their thumbs and index fingers made a triangle. This gesture was meant to trap the healing light and send it into the ailing woman. It didn't work. When she was still sick, 10 days later, Uriella made a house call in person. She performed a Heilstrom, attempting to channel divine power to send a healing wave over the patient. Her efforts failed, and the woman died. Still, this didn't weaken the convictions of Uriella's followers. Uriella had them convinced that when one of her devotees did succumb to a disease, they must have brought it on themselves by failing to adhere to her strict guidelines for clean living. It served as a warning, making the rest more committed than ever. As the group was reaching its peak, Uriella soon found herself needing a new partner and husband to help her run things. Luckily, she connected with another one of her followers, a man named Eberhard Eicha. Within the cult, he was known as Ecordo and had joined the group around 1987. Ecordo was 11 years younger than Uriella, but age was no obstacle for the spiritually connected couple. The two developed a deep bond and eventually married in 1991. Besides acting as Uriella's partner, Ecordo played another important role in the sect. He held a degree in business administration and marketing, and had previously worked for cosmetic companies. Once he joined Fiat Lux, he became the group's spokesman. His life revolved around maintaining its public image. 
However, his job became increasingly difficult in the late 1980s. Initially, outsiders may have seen the sect as bizarre but harmless. Unfortunately, as the group gained publicity for its healing activities, its reputation suffered. In 1989, Zurich's health department analyzed the Othrum water Uriella sold as a cure-all. They found that the sample was riddled with bacteria, mold, and pus. According to the legal standard for drinking water, this rendered it impotable. That same year, a German court reportedly fined Uriella for tax evasion, presumably for failing to report the income she made selling healing products. Perhaps in an attempt to rehabilitate the group's image, Uriella began making regular appearances on Swiss television. She didn't seem bothered by the hypocrisy of going on television while forbidding her followers from watching it. Her guest stints on talk shows and late-night programs garnered her plenty of attention. Viewers were amused to see her wearing her black wig and white gown. When she declared that Adolf Hitler was alive and living on the moon, or that Pope John Paul I had been poisoned and Pope John Paul VI was replaced by a double, people tuned in for the entertainment factor, if nothing else. Swiss television host Roger Shawinsky, looking back, remarked, she knew 99% of the audience would laugh at her, but she was after the last percent. There she hoped to attract new followers. Uriella furthered her media blitz by allowing German journalist Felix Kubala and a film crew shoot a documentary at the Fiat Look Center. Perhaps Uriella felt that this would be another opportunity to recruit the 1% of the audience receptive to her message. But to Uriella's dismay, the report was highly critical of the sect's medical practices. The film argued that Uriella was a depraved fraud. It revealed how she touted her ability to cure AIDS cancers and other fatal illnesses in order to sell her medicines to desperate people. When the documentary aired on television in January of 1992, nearly three million viewers watched. The public reaction was immediate and negative. Following the broadcast, the local prosecutor's office in Waldzut, Germany, announced several new investigations against the group. In the next few weeks, authorities conducted a search of 12 Fiat Lux properties. They confiscated various documents, bank statements, and medicinal products. Finally, in 1994, an administrative court in Germany ruled that Uriella posed a threat to public health. Additionally, Uriella was forbidden from practicing medicine under the threat of a hefty fine. But even when Uriella wasn't actively healing, the damage was already done. For Uriella's ardent followers, nothing could convince them to trust medical doctors or pharmaceuticals again. No matter what any court said, Fiat Lux devotees were proud to stand up for these beliefs, whatever the consequences. Members of the cult even provided support to an Austrian couple named Erika and Helmut Pilhar. In May of 1995, the Pilhar's six-year-old daughter, Olivia, was diagnosed with a cancerous tumor on her kidney. Doctors advised she be treated with chemotherapy, but the parents refused, after talking to the self-proclaimed miracle healer, Gert Reicha Hammer. The case made international headlines when the parents abruptly left Austria. They were worried that authorities would remove Olivia from their custody if they stayed. When they fled, they were assisted by four members of Fiat Lux. As the sect was loyal to Hammer, these individuals helped the Pilhars travel through Switzerland and find refuge in Malaga, Spain. After two months in hiding, the Pilhars were finally persuaded by the Austrian government to return home for treatment. By that point, Olivia's tumor had grown to the size of a soccer ball, 
and she struggled to breathe because it was pressed on her right lung. The girl eventually recovered after chemotherapy, but the incident was yet another black mark on the Fiat Lux Order's reputation. After that, the negative publicity for the sect seemed relentless. It didn't help that in 1996, authorities in Waldshut, Germany, opened a negligent homicide investigation against Uriella. They charged her for her role in the deaths of two women who succumbed to illness under her care in 1988. But at trial, authorities hit a dead end. Witnesses testified that the women had voluntarily refused medical treatment. Because the prosecution couldn't prove that Uriella had actively blocked them from seeing a doctor, she was eventually acquitted. Even so, Uriella seemed to understand that it was time to shift focus to offset the negative press. The group dabbled in charity work, launching an organization called Atsum I Am Ready to provide aid and supplies to those in need in Eastern Europe. Oddly, the charity raised money by selling bizarre little Red Riding Hood dolls. The dolls could be made to look like Little Red, the grandmother, or the wolf, depending on which way it was held. Uriella called on each supporter to sell 120 dolls for the cause. Apparently, the Atsum activities were not popular among all of Uriella's supporters, and the group's membership numbers dropped. Uriella clung to the devotion of the 700 or so individuals that still remained in the sect, and they hung on to her every word. Over the next few years, she would further dazzle her followers with several key revelations. Uriella's trances and healing powers had made her a celebrity, but her next pronouncements would eclipse everything she had done so far. Up next, Uriella shares visions of the apocalypse. Now back to the story. For much of the 1990s, Swiss-born spiritual healer Erika Berchinger Eika, also known as Uriella, successfully operated the Fiat Lux Order from her sanctuary in the Black Forest of Germany. The group had experienced some turmoil in the mid-90s, when Uriella faced legal troubles. She was accused of selling fraudulent health remedies and of advising her followers against seeking conventional medical care. Though the sect's membership numbers began to decrease following these events, she still reigned over a devoted group of about 700 individuals. And they had good reason to remain loyal. As the millennium approached, they became convinced that the apocalypse was on the horizon. Uriella had made references to the end of the world for decades. But in the late 90s, she was consumed with visions of impending catastrophes. Experts say that such doomsday predictions may actually be a source of comfort for some individuals. People find reassurance in knowing the exact date and time of the world's end. In a 2012 article published in Scientific American, neuroscientist Shmuel Lisek is quoted saying, Apocalyptic beliefs make existential threats, the fear of our mortality, predictable. Lissek's research, also discussed in the article, suggests that when people know ahead of time that an unpleasant or painful experience, such as an electric shock, is coming, they're more relaxed. They no longer feel the anxiety of uncertainty. Uriella seemed to understand the public's innate fascination with the apocalypse, and she capitalized on it. After losing scores of members over the last few years, she hoped fear would draw people back to her cause. On August 8, 1998, Fiat Lux issued a detailed press release summarizing Uriella's prophecies about the end of the world. In fact, she was certain that it was going to happen by the end of that very month. 
Fiat looks warned the public that the apocalypse would begin with the assassination of an important head of government. Next, Uriel anticipated turmoil, a stock market crash, and worldwide economic collapse. Then, Russia was set to invade Germany. During the chaos, Uriela predicted that a computer virus was likely to infiltrate devices across the globe. But she forewarned this man-made chaos would then be overshadowed by a series of natural disasters. She foresaw a meteorite striking the North Sea, causing massive tidal waves. There would also be volcano eruptions. She envisioned coasts disappearing under the ocean. The poles would shift, causing cataclysmic climate change. She estimated the loss of at least two-thirds of life on Earth. But Uriella's predictions weren't all gloom and doom. She foresaw that some would survive the event. She told her followers that, at the time of the apocalypse, they'd see a cross appear in the sky, followed by a fleet of UFOs descending to Earth. These spacecrafts would be piloted by benevolent aliens, following the orders of Jesus Christ himself. She said each craft contained enough space to fit six individuals inside. According to Uriella, only a select group would be allowed to board, those devoted followers who contained Uriella's divine light within them. These lucky few, the members of the Fiat Lux Order, would be shuttled away to a distant planet until the disasters on Earth subsided. Then they'd return home and begin rebuilding a new world. Uriella emphasized only those truly committed to fiat looks could expect to be rescued from the imminent calamity. So members of the cult hurriedly prepared for what they believed to be their final few weeks on Earth. Many even sold their belongings and homes. Those devoted to Uriella congregated at the Fiat Lux Center in the Black Forest, awaiting their salvation. Days passed. Summer ended and autumn began. None of Uriella's predictions came to pass. Rather than admit she was wrong, Uriella told her followers that she had prayed to God to postpone the end of the world in order for the group to have time to convert more members and save more of humanity. But she assured them that the threat of the apocalypse was still hanging over their head. It might occur within the next year. However, this face-saving pronouncement wasn't enough to spare Oriella from public mockery. Her credibility was shattered and members began leaving fiat looks in droves. Oriella chastised these deserters as Judases and compared their betrayal to Lucifer's fall. In the wake of her failure, Uriella went relatively quiet. Even though the world had been spared, she seemed truly dismayed that her prophecies were wrong. She really did believe in the narrative she had constructed about her own abilities and powers. Her husband Icordo was another story. One former member of Fiat Lux explained that he thought Uriella truly believed everything she said and did, while instead, Icordo came off first and foremost as a businessman. As Fiat looks shrank in numbers, dropping from over 700 to about 400, Ecordo found new ways to consolidate power. In 1999, he started dabbling in local politics. The 59-year-old won a seat on the municipal council. However, little came of his political ambitions. Meanwhile, his wife made sporadic appearances in the media, perhaps hoping to recapture the magic that had driven viewers and converts to her in the early 90s. In December of 2003, 74-year-old Uriella made waves again when she predicted that dark times were looming. She and Icordo went on local television in Zurich. Uriella dressed as usual in her flowing white gown and black wig. 
she informed the public that a bloodthirsty hawk would be coming to Europe from the Middle East. She described then-U.S. President George W. Bush as a puppet of dark forces, accusing him of conducting black magic rituals. She cited the U.S. war in Iraq served as evidence of this depravity. When the television host pointed out that her predictions had been wrong in the past, Ariella replied that her revelations couldn't always be accurate. She said nature spirits sometimes intervened to prevent an accurate transmission from God. The host also asked about Fiat Lux's declining membership. Uriella responded that numbers weren't important. It didn't affect her vision or leadership. Eventually, Uriella stopped making public appearances. She even stopped seeing some of her close friends and followers. When she wasn't around to lead the sex gatherings, Ecordo stepped in. But this was a poor substitute for their leader's actual presence. Fiat Lux members continued to drift away. By 2009, the sect had shrunk to about 100 followers. Uriella's absence sparked rumors that she was ill. These reports were later confirmed by her husband, Ecordo. In 2009, in response to frequent press inquiries, Ecordo told reporters that she was suffering from cancer and paralysis. Ecordo also said that Uriella was on the verge of discovering paradise. When Uriella defied his prediction, she lingered on for 10 more years. Alas, even Uriella couldn't live forever. On February 24, 2019, she died at the age of 90. Her near 40-year reign over Fiat Lux was over. Her husband Ecordo stepped in as her natural successor, but it's not clear that there's much of a cult left for him to lead. Authorities estimate that there may be just one or two dozen members left. It seems that the group has gone silent and that its recruitment efforts have ceased. Nevertheless, Uriella seems destined to live on, perhaps not as a reincarnated spirit, but at the very least as a local icon in Switzerland and Germany. The distinct figure of Uriella, with her white gown and her crown of black curls, may not fit most people's image of the divine, but it is an image that is impossible to forget. Thanks again for tuning into Cults. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Cults is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Billy Pace. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Cults was written by Christina Pamies, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Brian Petrus and Chelsea Wood. Cults stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson.